and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Cloud Civilizations. With the help of guests, we explore human experiences of the digital, getting up close and personal with subcultures on social media platforms, anecdotal stories of digital tools, to people's opinions on digital phenomena. I'm your host, Young Lo, currently pursuing a master's in digital anthropology. With the digital as common ground, I'm hoping to also broaden your perspectives to the different contexts and possibilities that may or may not exist outside of your daily experience. In this episode of our Digital Dynamic Zero series on the Shanghai Citywide Lockdown in 2022, I'll be speaking with my friend Candice on the Compound's group chat. Without further ado, let's dive into the humanly digital. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's start with, you know, telling me a bit about yourself. So my name is Candice and I am originally from Guangzhou, Guangzhou. I grew up there and then I kind of lived uh, in the US, the UK, Hong Kong, and then now I'm in Shanghai. So I've kind of been, I've, I've been around for a little bit, um, but yeah, I'm Chinese. Yeah. Um, and then so you're in Shanghai now and uh, how long have you lived there and what have you kind of been up to? I actually only moved to Shanghai last December. So the end of 2021, yes. And I came here because I got a job at a marketing research cons- strategy consultancy here. So um, yeah, I'm just kind of trying it out, trying out Shanghai as well. Never lived here before. Um, and it's kind of like my first city of being back in China after living like abroad for a long time. So um, it's been an interesting few years. Definitely. Um, and so because we are a podcast that focuses on looking into the human experience of the digital, I must ask you, what has been your favorite thing that you've encountered on the digital platform this week or maybe your favorite digital tool at the moment? My friend basically introduced me to this like personality social platform called Dimensional and it's basically like like a super app where it combines like all these different personality tests and you basically uh, you can add friends it's kind of like co-star but then you know more than just it's it's more than just astrology it doesn't actually ask for your birthday but you basically answer like a set of questions and then they tell you like different aspects of your personality and then how it matches with like people that you're friends with i think the idea is to integrate a, a a personality app with social media so like instagram or something like that definitely have to check that out so essentially today uh we're going to kind of explore your experience with the shanghai lockdown and in terms of the digital dimension we're going to look a little bit about kind of the group chat in the whole scheme of the lockdown and also kind of the cultures that emerge within the group chats and so just to start off how long were you locked down in shanghai this year the lockdown officially began on april 1st for puxi area so basically shanghai is split into pudong and puxi which is like uh west of the Huangpu river or like east of the Huangpu river um so i live on the west of the river before april 1st pudong which is east of the river already started their seven day lockdown um that was imposed by uh, by the government but then even before that a lot of um compounds were already started to get uh locked down unofficially and my compound was actually one of them mm-hmm. so just to explain 
So compounds, I guess, for people that maybe live in other countries, they aren't so familiar with like what that actually means. Compound is kind of like a like another word for like a guarded community or a gated community. It's a very common thing in China. It's not just for like you know rich people in like Beverly <laughs> Hills. Um, and yeah, so like we call them compounds. Um, because yeah, they're usually like gated or they're like fenced and um, with like a couple of buildings inside. And um, in the context of Shanghai, so when the lockdown started happening, usually you don't really feel you don't really feel the sense of that you're living in a compound really because Shanghai is actually very very loose in terms of organization, like level of um, organizing buildings and. Um, if, and Shanghai is a very safe city, so that's why you don't really feel the sense of like, oh, someone's guarding the door. But uh, that kind of all ended when COVID, uh, when the lockdown started happening because how they organized um, sort of the uh, lockdown was by compound. So they started locking up the gates of these compounds, and that's when you actually start to notice that the compounds exist. So I was already locked in for like a week or two during uh, during March, and I got released like for a couple of days before they basically、mm-hmm. told everyone that the whole city is getting locked down. So I only got like two days of freedom, realistically, between the few weeks in March and then onwards in <laughs> April. Before I went、uh, to Hong Kong in May, I was in lockdown for probably a month and a half、um, total. Um, and so, if you could choose one word or a sentence that would maybe best summarize your experience of Shanghai twenty twenty two lockdown, what would you choose? The word that come came to my mind is actually a word that one of my ex colleagues used,、um, which is a social experiment. <laughs> how the how that came about was just like kind of it just came out in conversation, you know, talking like seeing the things that we've been seeing happening to people. In all walks of life, and all the different compounds, different people, It, it's that feeling of like a t- lack of total control of anything and everything. Humanity is just gone, you know. And I think it feels like a social experiment to me and my colleague also because it's as if the system is testing the limits of humanity and how、mm-hmm. much. We are able to tolerate as human beings. Yeah, I definitely i i can i can relate to that. Okay, so assuming no prior knowledge amongst our listeners, and so want to go through a few of the basics for people that are maybe not that familiar with life in China. So WeChat is one of like the main platforms, which is under Tencent, and、um, it's definitely branched out beyond social media. Could you kind of tell the listeners what did people usually use WeChat for before the lockdown? Usually, WeChat is like you said, like a super app where people buy groceries, people post like their daily living and just like daily communications with like whoever, like family, friends. But then it was interesting that around when the lockdown started happening, these group chats started forming on WeChat in compounds.、Um, it's self-organized mostly. Um, by residents or even the、uh, the local committee、um, of like a compound or like a sub district region. The purpose of this group chat is meant to kind of keep everyone in a loop of what's happening. And it's interesting that this is like a thing because you don't, even though technically there's like official state 
news or like channels where information is passed down that is not actually how information gets passed down to normal people in living everyday life if there's a lockdown happening in my compound today i will not find out through the news or through some official website about certain districts being shut down it's going to be most likely through your group chat that is formed by your your fellow residents because that's just how information travels. Do you remember the first day when you found out about a compound group chat or joined one? One day I came home and I saw like a QR code like printed out by the like, entrance of my gate. There was like two old ladies who were like kind of like talking and then I was like, what's going on? Like, oh, like, do you want to add, do you want to be part of this group? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. Like, I'm just so confused. And like, yeah, see, there's so many people who like who are actually like want to use this and I was like yeah like I literally know nothing so yeah that's how I joined the group and then even now like every time that there is a compound wide testing they will post on there and let everyone know. I guess when your compounds printed out the QR code to join the group chat was that organized by the residents or was it organized by the residential committee of the compound that you were living in? It was organized by the residents. So in each compound, there are a couple of people from the residential committee that lives in that compound. They're the voices of the compound that that has a connection to the gov- the local government. Mm-hmm. If you want to leave at that time, then you would also <laughs> contact the residential committee to give you permission to leave, like to enter or exit the compound. Yeah. So they actually have quite a influence, um, but then also limited as well, I would say. For context, Candace lived near where I was in downtown Shanghai. I remember during the lockdown, she sometimes sent updates when she received news on her compound group chat that, for instance, official lockdown guidelines could possibly change in the upcoming days. And it was because a few of her neighbors had access to quote-unquote exclusive insider information from having ties to the local government or were party members. However, having these beneficial political ties didn't necessarily mean that these people were protected from all fake news or had total control over these digital spaces. That's the scary thing actually about group chats is that there isn't necessarily a, um, a threshold or like a sort of um, filtering process where you limit the, the kind of person that enters these groups. It's like anyone can come or anyone can invite anyone. So you end up getting these like super groups of like five six hundred people where you literally don't know anyone in there and anyone can post anything so what also started happening was you'll see these like random posts spreading news about you know how maybe one of their children need, uh, lost a limb and they want they need money for help and 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 then you know people in the group chat would be like start attacking them and be like oh you know another fake another spam person in the group get rid of them and so there's also this sort of like inner policing happening which was really interesting you mentioned the kind of main functions that your specific combined group chat played during the like the long lockdown in spring so some of them were pcr notifications like you're gonna do your pcr today at 12 or whatever and then perhaps the bulk ordering so stuff like oh we need more vegetable rations so was that kind of communicated through your group chat as well the vegetables people would post pictures of the their vegetables and then they would also post pictures of vegetables they see in other people's like social media and either complain about how (laughs) 
uh, lacking of the vegetables that we have or about how much better our vegetables are compared to a different district. Mainly it was, it used to be more like for built, so it, so we have like one, I guess you can call it like mother group chat, where it's like the origin of, of the group chat. And then essentially as time goes on, people have different needs. You know, someone needs milk, someone needs toilet paper, someone needs, um, flowers and then they would start building separate group chats for specific needs because they don't want to disrupt the mm -hmm. the main group which was which the intention was essentially just for like making announcements that's that's super interesting because it was very similar in my compounds where so our group chat was also organized by residents but then it was actually started from young professionals one of my kind neighbors she really was uh, kind of feeling that we hadn't gotten any rations yet. We didn't know when we were going to get it. This was beginning of April. So she's organized this this inaugural compound group chat because the residential committee in our compound are quite um, maybe 65 plus. They weren't extremely tech savvy or they didn't have the need before the lockdown to organize these digital spaces where the community would get notifications about the compound life and such. So you were saying that your compound's demographic was quite different from mine so I mean how did that kind of influence the way that the group chat ran? I think for us we had a bit of a mix in terms of age um, obviously the because my compound is um, sort of like a like a military compound so they're either like really old kind of ex-military people or they are sort of younger tenants of those places that were that belonged to an ex-military person now that you mentioned age i do remember we actually split into from the mother group chat we split into um several different group chats each um for one building i think in the group chat we also talk about how you know like watch out for your neighbors like we let's do like a calculation of how many people are in this building who who lives in which floor, which which unit, um, where the, where all the old people are? So basically, the sort of people in like the mid mid thirties to like fifties, like they would be the ones who kind of take charge of um, organizing everyone to t you know tally up which building has how many people old, old people in that mm. building, so that they're all taken care of. So you never really see like old people struggling because they at from the very beginning the middle aged excellent military <laughs> like they're they're super diligent you know they're like when all like you know homeway being on the bus, <laughs> they know they know how to organize this way so it's like you can see those instincts kicking in which is so interesting to 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 see it was definitely fascinating to hear how Candace's middle-aged neighbors from a military background deployed those community mobilization and morale-boosting instincts, but using relatively newer digital tools. My own compound equally had ex-military personnel, but due to its larger size was more diverse in its demographic. There were more tenants who were students, young professionals, and some migrant workers from other Chinese provinces, along with overseas expats. So in comparison, a lot of community activity during the lockdown for us was mainly driven by younger professionals. There was equally animosity that developed from my compound group chat. 
the main source of animosity stemmed from some residents being blamed for contributing to our compound's increasing COVID cases. Whenever a compound gains a new case, the period of the compound lockdown will keep getting extended indefinitely. So how things progressed offline clearly began to take a toll on the culture and social code of our online group chats. So as April went on, there were citywide suspicions that bulk deliveries were the culprit of mysterious new COVID cases in otherwise completely isolated compounds. Delivery packages would supposedly bring traces of the virus into neighborhoods, increasing cases. Our residential committee became highly suspicious and started monitoring our resident organized group chat from within, since it was the main hub for organizing independent group delivery orders. Equally, larger group chats, too openly criticizing government COVID policies were getting shut down or reported. So at that point, secondary group chats, which are more private, formed with younger residents in my compound so as to avoid trouble and establish a safer space for more like-minded people. So how did offline systems affect the solidarity in Candice's compound? I think the way that the compound is structured it has an effect on how, it, how solidarity is formed because mm. There's one building that kept getting positive cases and it kept getting pulled to like Changchang. Which are the government-run quarantine camps. My building, for example, in our building group chat, we would constantly be like, we're doing so well, let's keep the virus out, like, let's mm. let's be strong, let's keep going, like, stay negative, blah, blah, blah. Because we, we know that you know, the, the other building who has positive cases is just like two buildings away and we need to like stay strong, blah, blah, blah. So I think the drama has to do with maybe how peep the, the, the hazmat suit guys are handling mm. the buildings with positive cases. Mm -hmm. And were there other group chats that you were maybe particularly active on during the lockdown? There was one that I was, I felt very um, involved in and it was a little bit towards the end before I left. There's this one organizer who who constantly organized donations to elderly communities or communities that uh, of need um, that were not able to um, organize group buys or they just didn't have the resources. So I because at the, towards the end um, we kept getting government rationings of vegetables and all sorts of stuff like toothpaste, like rice. But then it's gotten to a point where there's just literally too much mm -hmm. of everything because they also don't ask you how many people live in your house so they just give like one big box of whatever it comes in it there might be another package the next day or another week like you just never know when they're gonna come so i just felt like it was just so wasteful every time i receive a huge box of things because i live by myself i don't live with anyone else and it, the the distribution was just really uneven and you don't you, you never know where someone might need this box of vegetables to recap my discussion with candace so far the wechat group chat during shanghai lockdown seemed to serve these main purposes Number one, as a news channel to disseminate information on all things COVID policy related, to get updates on compound specific news or as an alternative source to official news authorities gave, which residents increasingly grew to distrust or at least not fully take at face value. Secondly, as a community organization hub for those bulk grocery deliveries and more. Third, as a site to build solidarity amongst the community, whether to boost group morale or encourage communal action to keep COVID cases down. My compound group chat also became a space to connect for isolated residents, where lockdown memes were circulated and even a secondary group chat for lonely singles to mingle grew out of the main group chat. 
Did Candace use these group chats to socialize with her fellow neighbors? You know, I was not part of any of that. Um, the my the only source of like memes and things that came about were actually from my own like I don't know how to say Pomyotrin. Oh, oh, it's um, like a newsfeed. Newsfeed, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah like a Facebook like newsfeed. News yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like I would see things on my own newsfeed on WeChat, or I would see things on, for example, Instagram. Instagram was actually very active during this time because there were a lot of people I but I think it's also interesting because Instagram is clearly like filtered through yeah. people who have access to Instagram. So mm-hmm. so that's the other thing. Like so I think two things one is through my own newsfeed and also my own group chats with work or from other friends then that's where we circulate memes. And then the other one is through like Instagram where I also follow some China China focused like Instagram accounts where these things are constantly being circulated as well. So yeah, and then I guess um, since you have lived in so many different places and been in contact with a lot of different online meme culture, like from your personal observations, like how does Chinese meme culture in general differ or maybe is similar to other places that you've I guess um, experienced? I think a similarity would be that I think generally speaking sarcasm is sort of like a commonality across the board. Meme is a very sarcastic medium in nature and that's kind of it's it relies on the fact that you are sort of like on the inside to be able to understand something that's mm-hmm. conveyed through meme so what usually is the content of the meme is quite sarcastic and quite humorous in nature what's unique about chinese meme culture i would say i feel like it's humor like times 100 the the degree of yeah satire sarcastic social commentary is so implicit but if you get it you get it Thus, sharing online memes became a way of first establishing solidarity through communal humor people could establish that we were on the same page, making the difficult experience less lonely, and secondly, injecting the wound with humor, helping us momentarily escape the anxiety and the feelings of uncontrollable challenges and obstacles that we were facing that day, almost as a form of collective healing. Candice made a point to say how important it's become as a media for young people to communicate, especially in China. It has really become a very accessible way of making fun or making commentary of shared experiences, but in a lighthearted but not kind of way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I totally get what you mean by the lighthearted but not, because the most creative ones I've seen are really shrouded in how they communicate or maybe critique. It's quite shrouded in a lot of layers of meaning. Yeah, and I think that has to that has a lot to do with the nature of the society that we live in, right? And mm-hmm. what we are and are not allowed to talk about in like public settings. And so that's also why the meme culture here is especially sarcastic, especially funny because the more the less serious it is, it reflects the amount of control and surveillance that this society has on people's ability to talk about things. And I guess if you let us speculate for a moment, why do you think such an onslaught of online memes arise during a time such as 
the Shanghai lockdown? What drove it to do so? Large volume of memes generally come out when something happens to a, to a group of people that is impactful enough for there to generate a lot of you know、mm-hmm. conversation around something. So I guess during the lockdown, it would be this collective trauma that people experience and the memes. Using memes as a way to express that trauma and that shared experience, and the emotions and all that stuff that came with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And、um, one last question before we wrap up: Looking back on hindsight now, any reflections on the Shanghai lockdown, especially in relation to what it reveals about popular digital spaces in China, like WeChat group chats and online meme culture? I think the. Period of time where Shanghai was in lockdown was a very remarkable period of time where you see it's like all the things that we're talking about is coming to the surface. That's like when you can really materialize the nature of meme culture and the nature of、um, group chats. The social experiment that I use at the beginning is so appropriate and so fitting because everything you can see happening during that period of time. And on that note, I think.、Uh... That was super insightful, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and thank you, the listener, for joining us on this episode of Cloud Civilizations. Do join us next time as we continue to unpack the complexities of the Shanghai lockdown in the Digital Dynamics Zero series. Until next time. <laughs>